Morning, everyone. It's good to see you all out. Great to see you all. Hardcore 9.30 people. Uh, terrible morning. So thank you for coming out. Very, very blessed to see you all. Um, <clears throat> we're going to be uh, jumping straight into a series that we just started last week. So if you weren't here last week, you haven't missed too much. But I will do a brief recap here. But we're really excited to um, get into this theme called Blessed to be a Blessing. And in it, we started to explore the biblical theme of stewardship, and um, <clears throat> I'm going to try and help you understand what that means, and then dive back into things um, for this week ahead. Um, our, our sense of um, leading from the Lord over the last number of months, maybe even a um, couple of years really, has been that the, the Lord really wants to teach us about inheritance, how to um, not just get freed from the place of slavery like the children of Israel, not just to hang out in the wilderness, but to actually go into the land of inheritance. And, um, you know, we, we, we believe that, it, you know, it's hard to lose your salvation, we think, what the scriptures teach, but you can lose your inheritance. You can miss out on what God has for you. And uh, we, we believe to individually, but also together, the Lord wants us to occupy the land That's that's uh, 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 in, in the way that Jesus would, which is humbly, not like, you know, overpowering and all of that, but humbly to um, <clears throat> see his kingdom come in this town and in our lives. And I guess um, our journey inwardly and spiritually has been mirrored outwardly as we move towards a new building and as we have got great news on that. It feels like the Lord is saying, I want to enlarge the place of your territory physically and geographically, but often that only comes after what he, he does inside us and inwardly in our hearts. And so really feel like the Lord is leading us into that and he wants us to learn how to steward authority. And God entrusts us um, with his heart and with more of his resource in order that we can grow up in the authority that, he, that he's giving us. Um, I said this last week, that stewardship is the key. Stewardship is, is the key <laughs> to growing in authority in the kingdom of God. And um, I was trying to just, you know, encourage us as a church to think about how We've already seen the first fruits of this when we think about what was in our bank account this time last year to where, where we're at this year. It's, it's an exponential increase in terms of the generosity of the Lord. And, um, and I, I feel like the Lord wants us to continue to really think about that. And ultimately, framing this like we did last week around the parable of the talents, we've all been entrusted with something. And the master's coming back someday to ask us how we got on with what he'd given us. And, and we're going to all have to answer this kind of question. What are you going to do with what you have been given? Um, I think I'm, am I hitting this twice, Johnny, or not? Okay. All right. The last thing you had to hit it twice, this thing you have to hit once. That's why I'm getting confused, all right? Um, <clears throat> I can, I know. So that was, that was all an introduction to this, um, to this series. And, and as we go on throughout the series, we want to get increasingly practical about how we steward our, our finances, but all, all of our lives. But I guess uh, as we come to that, before I speak to you specifically over the next three or four weeks as we get further into this about our, our, our money and our tithe and things like that, what I, what I feel is really important about the series is that we develop what, what I would call a really robust biblical understanding of the word blessing and how we steward blessing just generally. Because I think it's a really undertaught thing in the church. And I think stewardship is one of the key 
themes from beginning to end in the church that we often, or in the Bible, sorry, that we often don't get right in the church. And I have to say, just as well, I am, I am probably doing as deep a dive and as deep a study personally in this than I've ever done before as well. So I'm, I'm finding it incredibly rich, and hopefully together we can find some revelation along the way. We don't want this to be about obligation. We don't want this to be like even about, oh, we want to do a series on giving because we've got a building project, and it would be great if everybody would feel like they could give more. Right? That's not the point of this series, okay? Just so you know, it's not about guilt. It's not about obligation. It's not about legalism. It's about understanding the blessing of God and how to live as his sons and daughters in the economy of the kingdom of God. That's what it's all about. And that's why we feel like the Lord has led us and shown us something of, of his heart, because that's ultimately what it's all about. It's all about our, our hearts. The heart, Proverbs tells us, is the wellspring of life, and we want to get at the matters of the heart. So if our hearts, hearts are soft to the Lord, really think he wants to teach us. And so today we want to, we want to jump right back to the very beginning of creation, and we want to read a little bit about the blessing narrative, the creation narrative, and about what what God says about blessing there. Okay, so I'm going to read uh, a few verses from Genesis chapter one. Um, uh, I'm going to skip, if you don't mind, for time's sake, the first four days of creation. Right, so we're heading in here at verse twenty in Genesis chapter one, and this is what it says: "And God said, Let the waters swarm." with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which, with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. I just want you to notice those three words in particular. Be fruitful and multiply and fill. Be fruitful, multiply, and fill. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kind, livestock, creeping things, beasts of the earth according to their kind. And it was so. I love the Bible sometimes. And it was so. Because God said it. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, here it is again, and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. A few last verses. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yield and seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit, and you shall have them for food, and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, and everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. So, well-known passage of Scripture, um, and what I want to try and emphasize this morning is this word blessing that we read twice there over those few Scriptures between verses 20 and verses 30. 
The word blessing is used a lot in the Bible. It's used over 600 times in the Old Testament, they reckon, or derivatives of the word blessing. It's a strong biblical word, the word blessing. But what does it mean? Because we use the word blessing a lot, don't we? When we sneeze, what do we usually say? Bless you, yeah? Sometimes your mom might say to you when you try to do something well or you try to do something well but you don't actually do it that well, she'll say, bless your heart, yeah? Sometimes we'll ask when we have a prayer at at, at dinner time to say a blessing. Often when we put our kids to bed, we might say, God bless you. When When you're greeting someone or when you're departing from someone, you will often say, God bless you. But what does blessing really mean? What does it really mean to say, bless you? Or where did that come from? Or what does the Bible mean when it uses the word blessing? And what you realize, like lots of words in the Bible, the Bible doesn't give you a, a literal dictionary definition of a word. You have to read the narrative and what it implies to get an understanding and a definition of the word. And so if we look a little bit deeper into this passage that we just read, we would have seen in Genesis chapter 5, uh, verse 22 and 23, we read there a moment ago when it came to the animals or to the fish and to the birds, it says, be fruitful God blessed them, sorry, and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. Isn't it amazing just for a moment to think, God blessed the wee fish and the big fish and the birds. And he told them to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill. And so the God who is the source of all blessing blessed humanity, blessed creation, blessed the animals, the inhabitants of the earth, right? The animals first, he blessed them, and he gave them the gift of being able to reproduce and multiply and fill. That is remarkable in and of itself, just for a moment. God is summoning forth life. He's summoning forth a, a dynamic that's generative, that's, that, that can reproduce, and he, and he blessed the animals, Then it says, on the sixth day, we move forward, and it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps in the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to humankind, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over everything that moves on the earth. So God created humankind in his image as well, with and out of his abundance. And again, as he blessed him, he said, be fruitful, multiply, and fill. The God who produced it all, give humanity and the animals the ability to reproduce what he produced in them. That is remarkable. And so here is my working definition of the word bless in as succinct a way as I could try and put it. I could say lots of other things. But I think when we talk about the word bless in the Bible, what we're getting at is the bestowing of abundant divine loving power. So the bestowing or the transferring of divine loving power to bring about fruitfulness, multiplication, and filling. That is, that, that is what comes with, that is what the blessing of God is all about. So the, the reason this is important, let's get really super practical. If, you, if, you've got, if you've been blessed to have kids in your life, right, and you put them to bed at night, and you're used to doing that, we like, God bless you the night as you sleep. 
right? Which is a great thing to do, by the way. What, what do you actually mean by that? Is that just a little gimmick? Is it just a little Christian thing to say? Or could you be by in your words? Because God did this with his words. And this, is, this is almost sounds blasphemous. But the word of God in our mouths is as powerful as the word of God in God's mouth. And so when we pronounce things in the name of Jesus through the Spirit of God, and we pronounce blessing on our children, and we pronounce blessing on one another, and we pr- pronounce blessing on the people that we come in contact every day, what are we doing? We're bestowing and transferring the divine loving power of God in order that there may be fruitfulness, multiplication, and filling. This is what the word blessing is all about. Um, somebody um, called Jeff Anderson, who's a theologian, he, he, he said it this short and, short and succinct. A blessing is at its core an enhancement of life. Sorry, a blessing is at its core an enhancement of a life of fullness, right? So blessing is central to the very character of God. It's central to who he is. And it's all about transferring that sense of wellness or wholeness or human flourishing is what we want to see when we talk about blessing. And all of a sudden, that takes on new meaning. And so what I, what I want us to notice then in this first passage is I've got five quick points I want to make this morning in the next 20 minutes or so, okay? And hopefully going to get through them. My ink, like just about, well, I, my paper, right? I, I was running out of paper this morning. And when I printed this, to the page, I had enough pages. Isn't that unbelievable? It's like Jehovah Jireh right there this morning. The Lord provided the paper. You're probably thinking, I wish you'd have run out two or three pages before you got to the end. But anyway, we'll see how we get on here, right? Um, but point number one, what we notice is this. God created all the inhabitants of the earth to live in his blessing. All of them, even the animals, right? Actually, he blessed them first. He blessed them. He bestowed them with divine loving power to be fruitful, to multiply, and to fill. Part of being a human being is to live in the blessing of a loving, holy Father. The creation narrative gives us all a mandate to live in and to enjoy the blessing of the Lord. Isn't that good news? That is good news. Say that's good news. That's good news. That is good news. You get to live in the blessing of God, guilt-free, guilt-free. Just enjoy the blessing of the Lord. The God from whom all blessings flow has bestowed on your life and in all of our lives blessing. And when God created the world, he created it with, there was matter. Matter is not necessarily bad, right, in its original state. And God created this to enjoy his good creation. Without jumping ahead too far in the biblical kind of story, but when we, if we were to just glimpse at Jesus, we, we kind of see this with Jesus. Like he hung out on the earth for 30 years. And I reckon he was just enjoying the blessing of God before his ministry started. He just hung out, enjoying creation, enjoying the blessing of what it is to be a son in God's world. We see him at parties. We see him keeping parties going when they thought they were going to stop. We see him hanging out with people. We see him at weddings, enjoying the blessing of of his father. God is the source of everything good, and he wants us to recognize that everything we are is a gift from heaven. Years later, James, Jesus' brother, he would write this. He would say, every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. So we're blessed, 
right? All the inhabitants of the earth are blessed. Point two, though, God created humankind to steward his blessing over the rest of creation. So this is interesting. So creation and the animals in of themselves were blessed. But humankind takes on an extra dynamic and distinction to that blessing because not only is, is humanity blessed, but part of its blessing is to steward that blessing over the rest of creation. Not making sense, yeah? So, so in the true sense, you can only live in the blessing of God when we understand we were created to steward that blessing, to reproduce it and overflow with it. The whole theme that we're talking about, blessed to be a blessing, isn't just a nice idea. It's your original design. Right? I want you to try and capture that. I want us to try and capture that. The, the idea of being blessed to be a blessing is not just a nice little Christian saying. It's part of your original DNA as a human being on God's earth. This is what stewardship is all about. We steward what God has given us. We, we tried to define stewardship as well. Last week, everything we are and have has been given to us from God to enjoy and the channel for his purposes. We aren't owners. We are co-partners who have been entrusted with something of divine worth. So biblical stewardship is all about recognizing that God owns it all. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. He owns it all. But he has called us to really take charge of his creation under his rule. And this is the world that we were placed in. An intrinsic level of responsibility has been placed in us as human beings. So when we think back to last week and the third servant, that's why the, the laziness or the purposelessness of the third servant really irritated the master because the responsibility he'd been given, he abdicated. And, uh, and it goes against the very grain of how we were created. And so when you think of the fact that all, all of creation is God's and everything that we have is a gift and we are called to steward it, the question is not, the question is not how do I give my tenth to God? The question is, how do I steward the 100% for God? That's a different thing altogether, isn't it? It's not, the question is not, how can I compartmentalize my life to give God certain bits that would suit? The question is, everything I have is from God, is <laughs> a gift from a good father. So how do I steward that for him? When we learn to give thanks to God for who he is, then we use it wisely. Um, when I was, um, I'll skip this quote here. When I was a boy, um, um, my mom, um, she, she was always praying, still is. She, she, hasn't, she hasn't quit. And she used to give thanks for everything, you know. And it used to be a bit irritating, if I'm being honest. Like, come on, like, why are you praying about that? Why are you praying about that? And is God really interested in that? And, and what I realized was she developed a gratefulness for God and everything that God had given her. And everything in life revolved around the giftedness of God, which leads me on to my third point here this morning. Gratitude is the key for unlocking healthy stewardship. See, if you're not grateful for what you've been given, then you'll think it's yours and you won't give it. <laughs> See, this is, this is what happened with the rich young ruler. You know the rich young ruler who couldn't give all his wealth away? Why, why could he not do that? Because he thought he owned it. But he didn't own it. It owned him. 
which meant he couldn't give it away. Because it had a hold of him. Because he didn't realize that it actually came from God. And when you get up in the morning, this is what I want to, just to keep it really simple. You should start your day with two words. The first one should be, wow. And the second one should be, thank you. That's a really good way to start every single day when you get up. Now, I know you mightn't feel like it, right? I know you're of these mornings, right? You're getting up, but just, wow. I have breath in my being. If you can put your two feet on the floor and stand up, not everybody can do that in life. Some people don't want to get up in the mornings because of all the torment that's going on in their lives and their minds. But you can get up and, wow, I've got another day to live on this good earth that God created despite all its brokenness. And thank you, God. And, and, you know, there's research that's been done. I don't, I don't have it, but, you know, you know, there's research that's been done about how gratitude and thankfulness just changes the very way that we think, that we can change the way we think just by being grateful. And it unlocks our understanding of the blessing of God in order that we can steward it together. So gratitude and worship actually go together. If, if on one hand you think everything, so there's two extremes here. I think in the world, there's a people that think that everything they own, they somehow deserve it, and it's theirs. And so if you, if you think it's yours and not God's, then, then you'll not, you'll, you'll not, we'll not give it. We'll, we'll, we'll become selfish like the rich young ruler. Even though we can be good people, it owns us, so we can't, we can't give it away. On the other hand, we can think we've nothing to give. We can feel like life has kind of brought us to a place where we... Um, we, we've nothing to give. Life has given us a hard deal. Things have gone on in their lives have been really difficult. And therefore, there's, there's, there's nothing, which in kind of a different kind of way is, is a self-centered kind of thought as well, despite the pain that we maybe go through. And this plays into the two myths that I want to just talk about for a few moments this morning. The two biggest myths, I think, which have dispelled, or we need to dispel because they have corrupted our understanding of how to handle the blessing of God. And the two of them that we need to, <clears throat> we need to eradicate, really, and teach against are one which is called the prosperity gospel and, uh, and the second one which we call the poverty mindset or the poverty spirit. The first of these, the, the, the prosperity gospel has kind of, you know, been more in the headlines over the last 30, 40 years or whatever. It's, 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 it's on a lot of the TV channels and stuff. Not all of them are bad, but a lot, a lot of this stuff goes on that. And, um, and this teaches that your spirituality is measured by what you own. That your material wealth and health is connected to a sign of God's favor. And the more, so the more that you have of that, basically, the more God loves you or the more faith that you have or the more blessed that you are. It's sometimes known as kind of name it and claim it gospel. And I guess what we want to say is it's a perversion of the gospel. It's a false gospel. It's not the gospel. It's not the gospel of Jesus. It, it, it probably comes out mostly, it's not purely just there, but it probably comes out of America, particularly that whole idea of the American dream and own your own house and own your own wealth and own your own have. It comes out, it, there's, a, the particular, there's, a, there's a degree of strength about that, but it gets corrupted and twisted around the more blessing I have, the more God loves me. And the problem with it is it elevates the gift above the giver. It elevates the blessing above the blesser. And so people get more transfixed about what you're going to get out of God if you have this or if you have that or if you have more faith, rather than being consumed with the blesser no matter what happens in your life. Because you see, we've all, we've all been like material wealth can be a sign of God's blessing, but it's certainly not the primary qualifier. 
Because we've all known in our life the people who have had nothing, that have suffered the most. And when everything around them feels like it's been lost and gone, and they can still come into church and raise their hands and worship and say, Whom have I heaven but you, O Lord? And on earth there is none beside you. My heart and my flesh may fail, but you are the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That's what gives God glory. That, that, that's what truly glorifies God. Not what you've got, but your faith in God despite the circumstances that you go through. And some of you know what that feels like. And so the problem is the, the, the prosperity gospel really um, is, is a sick and perverse understanding of the gospel itself. Um, but on the other hand, we have what we call, we call the poverty spirit. And this is probably, to be honest, one that we are potentially more prone to in this little part of the country or of the world. Um, <clears throat> And it sort of promotes, if the prosperity gospel promotes at an extreme level, the more that you have, the more blessed you are. The poverty spirit's almost the opposite in that it, it promotes the less you have, the more spiritual you are. Like because it has this affront of being more sacrificial and more like Jesus. And while Jesus, as we're going to see, warned a lot about riches, and he talked about wealth and money a lot and the dangers of them, what he never did was say that material poverty is like a more spiritual way to live. Now, what he did say was that if you're poor, you probably have more chance of being dependent on God because if you're really, really wealthy, that will probably take more of your dependency and your focus and attention. But he never in and of itself said, well, let's all be poor. In fact, some people would say a couple of times in the Gospels that, that he was wasteful. Why feed 5,000 people and still have 12 baskets left over? In fact, he was accused of being wasteful, wasn't it, when the woman poured that expensive perfume over him? Because Jesus was coming to reveal the abundance of heaven. But he wanted us to understand exactly what we're looking at, that we are blessed in order to be a blessing because God has created the world in such a way that everybody should have enough. And in fact, everybody should have more than enough. But the problem is when we get our mindsets wrong in this and sin kind of scars our minds in this and our thinking, then that's not the way it works. And so the poverty mindset becomes cynical towards anybody that's prosperous or successful. I think it was Bill Johnson or someone like that who said, if the devil didn't get his heart, he worked out quite soon, if the devil didn't get his heart with riches and greed, he would get his heart by being jealous and critical of anyone who did. Did you ever find that? If the Lord doesn't, if, if, sorry, if the devil doesn't get your heart by greed and idolatry and riches, he'll try and get your heart by being cynical and jealous of anybody that does. And so, and, and then we can dress that up very quickly with a verse to make it look like it's more spiritual. The poverty spirit is more interested in judging what other people have rather than thinking about what you've been given and asking that question that we've been asking over the last two weeks, what are you going to do with what you've been given. You can't rejoice in other people's success then. <laughs> and, and the poverty spirit can't reproduce anything because it's got nothing to give. See, if, if you're called to be a steward, but you think everybody else has got more than you, then you're never going to be a good steward of what you have been given because you're not focused on that. You're focused on what everybody else has and why you've got less than them and why you deserve more, but they seem to be able to get more. You know, we get into those little kind of mental places, don't we? And it's dangerous for our own spiritual health. <clears throat> but you see, compared to others, even if we've got very little, 
or even if we think we've got very little, when we give it in the right heart to God, the five loaves and the two fish show us this, don't they? That God can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or think. And I guess what I think is, if I've, I've explained those views as two extremes, right? So the poverty spirit say on this side, the prosperity gospel on this side, and let's say the blessing to be a blessing, the true biblical understandings in the middle. I think very rarely do we maybe meet Christians who are right out on either of those extremes. Some, some people are, unfortunately, right? But very rarely do I also find people that live right in the perfect place in the middle with God. It's almost like a continuum. And we live somewhere on that continuum. And we, you know, we, we do this. You hear it in conversation all the time. Like, you know, um, things like, oh, it must be going well for them, new car. You know, uh, or, or, you know, or we judge other people where they work. Oh, you know, you see, like, the, you know, you know. See, teach or like you see it during COVID, don't you? So I, I'm not making a statement of this. I'm just like re repeating things that I've heard. So just like you say, oh, oh somebody, somebody that's self-employed talking about somebody that isn't self-employed. COVID, oh, sorry for them. They can get a few days off. You know what I mean? Or or teachers, they're going to get good holidays. You know they you know, or or such and such did well this this month and got a new car. And and before we know it, we're we're talking about that person. We're obsessed with somebody else's situation rather than asking the question, what are you going to do with what you've been given? How are you going to take responsibility for what you've been given? And we all do it. And I, I suppose I'm just giving some examples to say, I think Jesus wants us to grow up in our thinking. I think he wants us to grow up in how we understand the abundance of heaven and how as brothers and sisters together as the family of God, we become grateful for what he's given us individually, that we get over those kind of opinions that we have about each other and we get into the biblical flow of blessed to be a blessing and take responsibility for our own lives in that and then together we can do something i think remarkable for god two quick things to finish the blessing of god brings us into a wonderful multiplying effect the algorithm if you like for the blessing of god is not addition i said this last week it's multiplication be fruitful multiply Phil, <clears throat> that's why you have to get a grasp of the whole biblical story. And that's why it's important for us to see this throughout the scriptures. The blessing of God releases a multiplying dynamic. When we surrender our lives to the flow of blessing, when we allow our hearts to be shaped by the presence of God, the result will be a multiplying effect. When we were, when we were looking at our theme on the kingdom of God before Christmas, we talked quite a bit about seeds, didn't we? And, and a seed is so applicable for the theme of stewardship because when you, God created the world in such a way that the actual idea of a seed itself is created in such a way that it would bring an increase. When, when, you, when, when you plant a seed, you don't get a seed. And, you know, as response, you know, you don't, uh, like in response to that or in, uh, as a fruit, of, you, get, you get the fruit and you get multiple fruit. And so the very idea of a seed that, that God has planted in the earth, and we've read about even in Genesis chapter 1, and, and the metaphor for what a seed carries, it talks about multiplying. It talks, about, it, it lends itself to the idea of, of increase. And so that's why the New Testament will, will go on and Paul will talk about, what, you know, God is not mocked whatsoever man sows that will he reap, but you reap in, in a multiplying way. <clears throat> and when we sow to the flesh, we will reap to the flesh. It's like an ingrained principle in the earth and the fabric and the ordering of the earth, this, this principle. And so, and so, you know, we've said this before, but hopefully it's making more and more sense as, as we talk about it. You can't out 
give God. When you, when you plant a seed and when we understand how we're stewarding blessing, then the end goal will be multiplication. And so when God's supernatural power marries itself with your availability and with the seed and the willingness to plant that seed, the multiplication of the kingdom can take place. When we take serious the blessing of God we have received from God and receive that with joy and gratitude, with a sense of responsibility, we can do ex- God can do exponential things with that. You, know, you and me, each and every one of us, have been blessed. We have something to give. And see if you're sitting here this morning and you think you have nothing to give, right? But you've got Jesus. It seems you have everything to give. If you've got Jesus, if you've got Christ, the hope of glory, if you have a seed of new creation living in you, never mind all the material blessings that God has also given you as well, you have something to give away that will multiply in the lives of other people in ways beyond what you can imagine. This is the effects that the kingdom of God and the economy of God have in our lives. And finally, what we see here in Genesis 1, the primary way humankind multiplies blessing is together. And we don't often see this either. Let me just read this verse and then we're nearly finished. And God created man in his own image, In the image of God, he created them. Here it is, male and female, he created them. Now, obviously, this passage is alluding to the natural process of reproduction, which you don't need to get into this morning, right? But but as in the natural, so in the spiritual, that male and female, more than one, was needed for the multiplication to happen. We are called... As the body of Christ here in Portadown, we are called to co-create together. We're called to put our, to, to bring the blessing of God that we have all come into an understanding of as individuals, somehow bring that all together. And the multiplier effect of that is beyond what we can imagine. And I guess what I think the Lord is trying to teach us at the moment is he's showing us this already. He's showing us what can happen. Just, just the build is just one example of it, but he's showing us what can happen when we, when we come together in and through the blessing of God and we submit that to one another before the Lord. We co-create together. I've been reading through the reading plan Chris was referring to in, in, in Exodus. Some of you were probably there too. And the, the whole idea of the tabernacle and how God called the people together to build a house for him. Um, and the reason it goes into so much detail is God wants to show us what can happen when the people of God co-create together for the purposes of God. In the early part of Exodus, they kind of got it completely wrong. They co-created together, first of all, to build a golden calf to worship. And when God had to show them the consequences of that, then they come together to show what, what it was truly supposed to be like. God was creating, God had created a house for humanity now humanity was creating a house for God. And and you know what's really, really interesting? The first part, I just saw this this week as I was reading the, some 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 uh, commentary around us. In the, in the first half of Exodus, they do an awful complaining, don't they? Like they're complaining about not getting enough food and wanting to go back to Egypt. And then, and then they complain about the gods, so Moses isn't coming back, so we'll build a golden calf. They're doing an awful lot of complaining. They're, what are they doing? They're living out of a, poverty mindset 
Right. See when they came together from about Exodus 34, whatever it is on, to build a tabernacle? Not one complaint. It cut the complaint out of them. Why? Because they started to build together. They started to co-create together. They started to get excited about something together. In fact, it said they had to tell the people to stop bringing so much of their finance and of their goods and of their gold and of their silver. They were told to stop that. Moses said, stop, we've got enough now because of the abundance that came in. And I just really want to encourage us. I felt excited about this as I was coming in this morning. I feel that God has brought together a people here in Emmanuel Portadown to co-create together, to build together. We've been doing that, and we're about to go into a whole other phase of that. And if we can get a revelation of the blessing of God, if we can become more grateful, more, more, more worshipful, more thankful for the very blessings that we've been given every day, and we can come and sew those together to co-create, the multiplying effect that can come into our lives is amazing. God has called us to do something wonderful. We're not just a nice wee church. Hopefully we're nice, but you know what I mean? We're not just a nice wee we're not just some kind of Christian social club. We're sons and daughters of the living God, committing our lives to him and to one another, to live in the economy of the kingdom for the glory of God in this area and to see many people won for Jesus. Christine Westoff, our friend, was on a, on a call with some of us uh, on Thursday and um, we were praying a bit and she was reminded of a word she had last year and um, I just thought this was really interesting. She shared this with us at the start of the call. And it was over the churches in the whole of the UK and Ireland, to be fair. But this is what she said. She saw and she felt she heard the Lord say, there are things that I heard. These are the things I felt I heard from the Lord. I saw a large chunk of gold and I heard the Lord say, multiply it. UK has resources that are meant to serve the nations around the world. You'll need a strategy for multiplying them, both spiritual and natural strategies. I see jars of oil that won't run out as it's used where the Lord is going to guide you to use it. But there's also strategic planning for how you multiply it as you go. And you just thought, wow, well, that's interesting given all that we're talking about and all that we're exploring at this particular moment in time. And so my challenge to you as I finish today is, will you be a channel of blessing for God so that you can actually multiply his blessing in the world? Will you be a channel of blessing for God so that you can be a multiplier blessing in the Lord? And I want you to begin, I want, as a prayer this morning to finish, I just want you to ask the question. I, I want you to think about, you know, it sounds almost like that kind of Christian sort of like sentimentality, you know, you know, count your blessings, name them one by one, and sort of feel like, you know, you get into those kind of like old sort of songs or whatever, you know, and it, it all becomes a little bit sentimental. But really, really what, what Jesus wants us to do, he, he wants us to count our blessings. He wants us to become aware of how grateful we should be. So why don't you stand to your feet with me this morning? And just before I pray, uh, you, you don't have to like do this really, really loud or anything. Nobody necessarily needs to hear but just as we stand, I'm going to pray over us and then we're, when we're done. Sorry, we're just a couple of minutes over. But what I'd love you to do where you're standing, why don't you just, just begin to speak out or just be, say under your breath if you want. Just begin to thank God for his blessing in your life. And you might want to name what some of those are. But why don't we just take a moment to do that together. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. We bless you, Lord. Thank you, God.
Thank you, God. Thank you for all you've done. Thank you for being just good. Thank you, God.